Monday coming at you. That's Chad Prevost. Monday, fun day. That's Chad Prevost. I'm Tim Dooner. This is What the Truck Live. Right out of the truth booth. Here we are. Yeah, you're really know, here. You know who else was in town? Yeah. ACDC's Brian Johnson. He participated in the uh, Chattanooga Motor Car Festival and he drove, get this, a 1920 Bentley Vandenplatz. And I understand <laughs> that he won. Well, yeah, People's Choice Award. People's Choice <laughs> Yeah. Some oh. guys have all the luck. Yeah, he got okay. the People's Choice Award. Um, did you watch it? No, but I mean, I heard some rumbling from my perch up on the mountain. I did too, and I was walking my dog. I didn't know that it was going on. I would have definitely gone down and gotten thunderstruck and been back in black with a little Brian Johnson. Man, it, yeah. Um, did it, you? I was going to say, did you know that he attributes his hearing loss not to playing for thirty six years with ACDC, <laughs> right? But of course to, not. he said he forgot his earplugs when he was racing. Like one time, I guess so, or maybe like um, a lot of times. <laughs> dude, if you forget, then imply one time. Um, maybe a little both and, right? I yeah. mean, yeah, like uh, so that's that's funny do that you, he thinks that. Do you know who replaced him in 2016? I do. I think. All right, it, Re- Axel Rose. It was man, Axel yeah. Rose, and it was weird timing because he had just come back. I guess he used it as a warm up because he was just going back with the reunited Guns and Roses, and then yeah. uh, that'll warm you up. Then he went on tour. Like, yeah. Brian Johnson is back, though. His hearing has recovered, I guess, and he they're making a new album, and he is the lead singer of ACDC again. Your hearing recovers? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. I mean, maybe like some miracle ear or something Maybe like it was that. like Ray, Mar- yeah. he had Ray Martinez. He had to go spend some time with his family. I'm afraid that stuff's pretty permanent. But hey, we're glad he's back. I can't wait. Yeah, a little uh, cabo, Brian Johnson. Yeah. Shout out, buddy. Uh, you know, I'd uh, love to uh, hit the headlines, but first we got to pay some bills. Dude. Mm, yeah, our friends over at Triumph Pay. Triumph Pay is the leading carrier payment platform in transportation with over 50,000 carriers paid. Triumph Pay helps drive capacity, efficiency, and cash flow for brokers and shippers. Chad, visit TriumphPay.com right now on that computer you got in front of you to learn more. Okay, doing it. All and right, in the man. meantime, hit that music. Hard that time. I almost lost my headphones. I went so hard. Maybe you need some uh, earbuds. Maybe I need some glue. <laughs> so I don't forget them. Yeah, that too. All right, man. This is not good news. Goldman Sachs cuts 2020 transportation earnings estimate on industrial weakness. Goldman Sachs equities analysts believe the weakness in the industrial sector of the U.S. economy will persist through the first quarter of 2020 before positively inflicting in the second that doesn't inflict right in the second quarter, leading them to cut earnings estimates for the transportation companies in their coverage universe. Analyst Jordan Alliger, he wrote last week in the investor note that it is just tough to ignore ongoing softness in weekly rail car loads, worsening from a plus 0.9% in uh, quarter two, taken together with two consecutive months of ISM below 50. Yeah, Alliger's team cut 2020 earnings per share estimates across a broad swath of transports. CSX, Norfolk Southern, uh, Union Pacific, Canadian National, Canadian Pacific, FedEx, Mm. XPO Logistics, J.B. Hunt, Mm. C.H. Robinson and Expeditors International. Prior to the note, Goldman's models assumed some positive freight growth in the first half of 2020. So this is it. I mean, this is interesting. Yeah. yeah. The, the estimate cuts reflect Goldman's conviction that the current slowdown will follow the pattern of previous industrial recessions, which typically last five to seven months, as measured by ISM data, 
That means that industrial activity may not begin improving until sometime in the second quarter of 2020. Goldman warned that the current estimate cuts only signify direction and may not be the last cuts, depending on what companies can do to reduce costs and whether volumes do, in fact, snap back. In fact, they wrote, should we see the consumer slow sharply or peak, se- or peak retail season disappointing? That's Christmas, right? It would call into question our newly revised down EPS estimates for 2020. In other words, the potential for much deeper EPS cuts would arise. And you know what? The cash freight index came out earlier today, Chad. Yeah. And that's at freight shipments. And expenditures declined on a year-over-year basis again in September. I believe that is, uh, what, the 10th straight week? 10th straight month of year-over-year declines. Yeah. Uh, shipments were down 3.4%. So earnings uh, earnings over-under coming up on Friday. This is like transportation earnings week. You know, I think J.B. Hunt's going to be out. Uh, I think Swift is next week. But United, I think, is this week. There's quite a few coming out. I were, were rumors of us getting out of the freight recession, like, premature? I don't know. It seems like there's people who are, like, cheerleading for a recession. But I think they're, I mean, they're talking about an economic recession, not a freight recession. But the freight recession for these transport companies, obviously, leading indicator. Yeah, early indicator. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we shall find out. HL2 U.S. air cargo trade decline leaves big That's a he- shoes That, that to HL is, is headline, too. <laughs> I wondered about that. Okay, there you go. Okay, HL2, right. Yes. Got you. U.S. air cargo trade decline leaves big shoes to fill. Uh, air cargo volumes have taken a hit globally this year. IATA data uh, shows... IATA. IATA show, shows flown volumes down 3.9% in August. World ACD report, global kilos off 7.1% and yields down 9.4% in August. Both sources note yeah. 10 straight months of lower year-over-year year air volume. A lot of down stuff. Yes, likewise yeah. for U.S. international trade. Census Bureau statistics show imports by air up in value through August by 1.2%, but down in tonnage by 39 Yeah, The value of air exports uh, from the U.S. is also slightly up. 0.5%, but yeah. again, lower. They should go read the article if they want all these numbers. That's a lot of numbers. That's a lot of numbers. It's easier well, to do stories. And should I say what's noteworthy right? then? What's noteworthy in the U.S. trade data are the big drops uh, this year in the U- in the top U.S. trading partners. It's a huge gap for airlines, forwarders, customs brokers, air cargo handlers, and yeah. trucking firms. All of this narrative is coming together, isn't it? Look no further than FreightWave Sonar, which displays the year-over-year change in August volumes for most U.S. carriers. Um... Some good news, though, despite trade war pressures and retaliatory tariffs from China, U.S. air exports to China actually increased in value by 4.1% through August. However, volumes dropped 13.8%. So things aren't good in the air. You know, Goldman Sachs saying things next, not necessarily good on the ground. What, what do you think? Not, you? Good, not good by rail, this, not good by road. Is this going to inform your play on Friday? My, it... it you, what do you mean? In earnings over under. Well, sure. You know. Can I just write anything on here and, and you'll read it? <laughs> right? Like, I am Chad and I am under. Uh, <laughs> I am a hostage. <laughs> Customs I, brokers outline burdens of importer verification rules. So this is the NCBFAA. They generally support Customs and Border Protection's goal to protect against illicit shipments, but said the agency's proposed importer verification rule has grossly miscalculated the cost to Customs brokers. Yeah, CBP's proposed rule, which was published in an August 14th Federal Register notice, would require a customs broker to collect 12 data elements 
or documents at the time that a power of attorney is obtained from the importer. According to CBP, there are about 350,000 importers actively transacting customs business with the agency through the nation's customs brokers. The agency estimates that the customs broker industry will collectively spend about $22.3 million from 2019 to 2023 to comply with the new rule once it's implemented. This is my language. You know, I was talking to Tom Gould from Flexport. He's their trade advisor. Uh-huh. He's, he's been, he was with Sandler, Travis, Travis, and Rosenberg before that, but we were talking all about duty drawback. Uh, we were talking about the giant tariff book, HGS codes. I mean, we were really getting deep in that. If that's, like, if that's your flavor of business, Freightways Insiders is Thursday with Tom Gould. You're in for a treat. We get to go deep on uh, brokerage. Get all right. Under the weeds. Under the proposed rule, customs brokers would be required to obtain personal details about the grantor or the individual signing the POA on behalf of the importer. CBP believes this information would help it track down individuals who use shell companies for illicit imports and then attempt to disappear. Hmm. The NCBFAA said that seeking this level of information from the grantor may discourage some importers from using customs brokers altogether and instead become self-filers on their import entries. And, you know, what always shocked me when I was doing entries was a lot of shippers, like, they're like, ain't nobody got time for correct tariff numbers. They would just take, like, whatever the tariff number, the Shang- like, a, f- a factor in Shanghai gave them. Okay. And you'd be like, this is an expired tariff number, or it's, like, completely wrong. And they'd be like, well, that's what the factory gave me. So go through and it's like you're, you're putting yourself at s- severe risk yeah because you can get if you get audited you can be paying a lot or you could end up paying more right they, it's the wrong tariff code yeah so ain't nobody got time for that i guess well they got to make time for it <laughs> okay uh, you heard it here box line predatory pricing undermining rates Spot rate losses by carriers are self-inflicted and will undermine annual Asia-Europe contract negotiations with shippers later this quarter, believes one leading analyst. Entering the fourth quarter, it was clear that the introduction of new IMO 2020 low sulfur fuels, a rise in oil prices following drone attacks on Saudi oil fields, and the ongoing U.S.-China trade war would prove disruptive, with carriers expected to continue their strategy of heavy blanked sailings to prop up rates during the traditional slack season. So, you know, when you watch like a Jaguars game on TV or a Tennessee Titans game and they have, uh, you know, they have seats tarped over. Yeah. 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 I've seen that. Yeah. Ships have to do that stuff too. However, analysts from Drury, you know, claim some lines certainly on Asia North. And you said that uh, Chargers game, that was like all Pittsburgh fans. That was crazy. I saw caught a little bit of it. It looked discouraging. It looked boring. It was twenty four to nothing. Yeah, and they were on like their third string quarterback too. So. What what did the final score end up being? Ah, uh, I mean they do what the Chargers always do. They like came back near the end, but it like it just oh, didn't work out. It was I mean, garbage. Flip Rivers always, tra- yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. However, analysts by Drury claim some lines certainly on Asian Europe trades have misjudged the markets this year, undermining their own efforts to generate profits. It points to ample evidence that carrier rate cutting has resulted in them missing out on the benefits of stronger-than-expected demand growth. The disconnect between supply and demand fundamentals and freight rates is indicative of a return to predatory pricing on the part of some carriers within the trade, undermining the positive demand story. That's what the analyst wrote in a note. That's kind of vague, right? Speaking of vague, just wrote that on a note. He also said, unless <laughs> lanes match pricing discipline, uh, none of this will matter. Well, um, easy for him to say. Spot market freight rates have not recovered from a first quarter slump and are currently tracking at their lowest levels this year. Yeah, by land and by sea. I mean, if you if you listen to truckers, they're always complaining about cut rates. That's probably the biggest 
argument that that there is out there the biggest complaints you'll see on like a facebook message board with a lot of truckers is oh there are some there's always some some like ethereal or ephemeral body that's that's cutting rates lower than everybody else with the with the box with the shipping companies with the ocean carriers it's a little different because there's only like nine of them within three networks so you got to play nice with each other a little bit, or, or you know, is, is, what, I mean, that's what they're saying. It's a, it's a monopoly. I don't know. There, I mean, it's saying in contract season, they're more than happy to just cut rate and go lower and lower and lower, and they keep making the ships bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like that stadium example we were talking about. If you can't get sixty thousand, you know, in that Charger State or thirty thousand, like, why would you? I mean, they are building them, but why would you build them a hundred thousand seat stadium? Right, because then it just makes it feel really empty. Exactly. Yeah. And you're running on, well, I wouldn't say empty, but empty. it seems like it. Well, um, speaking of bad news, right? A lot of bad news. Uh, more more of the same in some ways. I thought maybe we would kind of get out of it. Yeah, well, we can't because there's, there's too many things to cover because it's not often that in one week you lose about 2,500 jobs. So in our topic today... <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. a lot of articles were on FreightWaves last week and into this week. Uh, more than five of them were used here for research for this one. Chad, some trends are good. Others are bad. Unfortunately, today we tackle the latter. A lot of blood on the dance floor last week with over 2,500 transportation layoffs. Let's dissect them a little bit. Yeah, last week kicked off uh, on the news of Stephen Tanker Division eliminating 586 jobs across Texas. Yeah, Texas took another blow when Amazon delivery partner Letter Ride cut 423 jobs in Texas and another 400-plus in California. Yeah, we talked about impacts on Friday, but that was another Amazon effect. 600 jobs were cut by the third-party carrier, 64 of which were also in mm. Texas. And hate to pour on the misery in Texas, but Halliburton announced that it would eliminate 650 workers across its fracking and gas verticals. That's about 2,000 layoffs in Texas alone. Texas got hit hard. Really hard, yes. Lastly, hopefully at least, we had a nuclear verdict against the second-largest RV carrier in the nation, Countrywide RV Transport. They were the exclusive carrier of Camping World. The company recently was the defendant in a civil lawsuit in involving a driver who fell asleep at the wheel and killed a husband and wife. The jury awarded the children of the victims $26.6 million in a wrongful death lawsuit in a Denver, Colorado courtroom just two weeks ago. So we'll yeah. talk about that. Stevens Tanker, he put a little context to the executive vice president, Scott Melman. He wrote in a letter sent to employees on September 27th that the final decision to close was the result of unforeseen business developments over which Stevens Tanker division had no control, including a 65% reduction in sand orders starting on September 20th, 2019, and the continual loss of production water due to customers' increased use of piping. So. Yeah. A lot of really interesting things going on here. So I was talking to John Kingston on Freightways Radio about this on the, the oil side, and he was covering it up. He was, he was telling me that one of the big things, and one of the things that you may not think about when losing jobs is that piping. So if there's more pipes to move it, you don't need trucks to move it that far. So that's it. that puts a big dent in the actual need for the workers themselves. Oh, okay. Uh, he, he's the expert on oil. So yeah. I, would I take it. So it's almost like you're, um, you're replacing your, yourself you're teaching yourself out of a job in a way by like delivering all that pipe, huh? It's sort of like well, I don't think the frac sand guys deliver the pipe and the oil guys. It's different guys delivering the stuff. I mean, there might be like some crossover at some point, but yeah, 
the the pipe itself is just it's it's making the delivery system more efficient, so you don't need the truck to to bring it from the middle of the fields out there. In so a, there's a, a reason for that. Maybe it's not it's not like a that these layoffs are happening yeah. all over Texas. You're yeah, I mean about that uh, regarding that industry. Well, you know, yeah. we always say that like the two biggest the two biggest destroyers, the two biggest uh, you know comet to hit the dinosaurs is insurance and oil, right? Those fossil fuels, and this is like either the cost of diesel or actually the pulling of diesel in Texas because there's less demand. It's one of those huge fixed costs that yeah. they're going to have to deal with. And then this Amazon effect is kind of interesting, too, because uh, we had impacts on there and we had let it ride. See, I'm not. So, OK, so with Amazon, to me, that's the least uh, worrisome because it, it seems like to me this is just a a cleaning house. You know, um, the uh, OK, that's, um, this is a uh, a cleaning house and this is a like we've got some carriers that, you know, probably aren't being very. Uh, they're not being safe and yeah. they're not doing it the right way. And that they, they will, they, they, those jobs will be reappropriated. It seems pretty clear. This is not a recessor, recessionary type of uh, activity happening with Amazon, in, in, in my humble opinion. No, it looks um, like they're just switching up how they source these final miles, yeah, right? And yeah. it seems like Amazon. I remember they made a big deal a couple of years ago. They're like, oh, you're a business owner. You can open your own Amazon warehouse and, you know, you could you could deliver your own Amazon goods. It seems like that's a pretty risky proposition because at any point, Amazon can pull your card. Right. I mean, that if, if that's yeah. all you're doing and it's, and it's 650 workers out of business. I mean, I don't know what the turnover rate is in something like that third party delivery. I imagine it's got to be quite high. Yeah, I remember when they were offering uh, their their serve like if you wanted to deliver for about a year ago for Amazon, there was a way there was almost like a startup kit. Yeah, and they were guaranteeing or saying that you could make up to a certain amount of money, a few hundred thousand dollars, by being a care. I'm sure a lot of people have signed up for that, and some are going to be more responsible than others. It just makes sense. So that it's almost like I want to separate this from some of the. There's a lot of headwinds. There's a lot of things that have been going on in the industry. Uh, and, you know, we were calling it earlier in the, you know, well, I don't know, one thing at a time, too, like the, the nuclear verdict thing. Let's talk about that. What is a nuclear verdict? It's any verdict against a carrier that is over $10 million. Yeah. And speaking of insurance, I, f- I think that, you know, these there, there needs to be some tort reform. And I believe that the ATA has been arguing for that since, uh, well, a few a couple of weeks ago. They're saying we're fed up. We're tired of these trial lawyers, uh, you know, get, you know, getting rich and being able to fly on their, you know, fly on their jets and and, you know, have their expensive yachts while lots of truckers are just being are, are being put out of of work because, well, for a number of reasons. Like a carrier cannot, you cannot be hit with some of the some of the the lawsuits are outrageous, right? Twenty six point six sounds like a lot. I've heard of one for two hundred and eighty million. Well, this is a wrongful death suit, though. I mean, yeah. you're well, saying that's just, just too much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I th- it was like, and how do you like? It seems subjective, and it yeah. does seem like there should be caps on it. Uh, and I, I don't know how, yeah, how do you, um, put a price tag on pain and suffering? Well, they were a little you know? bit different. So, uh, country wide RV, they weren't, yep. they weren't, mo- I think most of their trucks weren't even semis. This particular yeah. one was like a Dodge Ram, I think. And it hit the, the couple's GMC Yukon that actually caused this accident. But yeah. just like you would pull an RV for vacation, like for, with your Dodge Ram or your Chevy Escalade or whatever you'd pull it with. 
Uh, same thing here. So they would employ a lot of those types of trucks. Um, you know, we're running out of time on this on this article. Henry's going to come in to tell us what's on the oh. radar in Sonar. But well, anyway, like there's a vicarious. Uh, one of the interesting things about this lawsuit was that they're not, even though they were independent contractors, they were treated as if they were employers. And that once you make that connection, then you know it's you're 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 down for the count. Um, there, you know, there's been a bloodbath. I think it, it, you know, as we've been saying it. Uh, I remember I was on a panel. I hosted a panel with uh, Dean Croak and George Abernathy uh, earlier uh, this year. And uh, they were, you know, and, and we were like, hey, are we out of the freight recession? Do you think? And Dean was like, I think we might see more of this. Mm. And two months later, we are seeing a lot more of it. There are a, a wide variety of reasons why these carriers um, have been struggling. Did we lose video again? <laughs> Yes, we did. All right, bear with us. So just your our audio. You know, we start as a podcast. This is produced that you don't need visuals, so you don't have to see us. Is Henry here? It's time to go on the radar. On the radar. Presented by Sonar. Here he, here comes. he is. Just in time to save the day. Not a moment too soon. Hello, Henry. Henry's getting one. You know, yesterday was supposed to be the day that some tariffs were supposed to go into effect, right, Henry? Yes, that's correct. And now it's not. <laughs> and now it's so not. That's good. They're yeah. going to go up by. Well, they weren't. Gonna, they already were in effect. They were going to go from twenty five percent to thirty percent, right? Yes, sir. By the way, I was saying earlier, I was talking. Uh, I was speaking our language to Tom Gould, the senior trade advisor for Flexport, mm-hmm. and we were talking all about tariff codes, oh, wow, and box shipments, and and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Regulatory <laughs> knowledge. He's a brilliant guy. So, oh, you know him? Uh, no, I don't. I've just I've kept up with you know what he's been saying. I mean, just, he's just I, I know his background. He's obviously super smart. Yeah. Have, he's, you, have you ever read the book called The Box? I, I've yeah. listened to it on audiobook. Yep. Oh wow, mm-hmm. the really? box that changed the world. No, just the box. Yep, the box. The audio version's not <laughs> not not the. Uh, I read the box that changed the world. Oh. Well, it's uh, I think it's, I mean, it's somewhat similar, obviously. Okay. Containerization. You listened to that? Th- I mean, that was like nine hundred pages of like dense. <laughs> it's probably one of the wor- uh, worst uh, audiobook narrations. Uh, oh, wow. No offense to anyone out there. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, who read it? But yeah, it, it's super interesting. I mean, you know, yeah. it, it speaks to the ports and the importance of them. I mean, it's it's yeah. really, if you think about it, man, so many so many goods flow through those ports. I mean, they're absolutely critical to the U.S. economy. So is this delay in increasing the tariffs uh, a ray of hope, as some see, in the relationship of the U.S. trade war um, with China? You know, man, it's hard to say because, you know, this is not a trade deal by any means, but I think it's a start. Um, there's still a lot out there, though, and I think it's important to realize that, you know, last time, um, yeah. you know, Trump basically called it off. So. There's a lot of things as far as the technology companies are concerned. When you look at the okay. um, Huawei, things like that, there's still a lot out there. And I, I don't know if China's capable of, you know, taking their, their uh, the purchase of U.S. goods, pork and soybeans primarily, uh, from $24 billion in 2017 to, you know, they're hoping to, Trump said, somewhere between 40 and $50 billion. That seems uh, like a lofty goal. You know what I saw online? On LinkedIn, I think, and it was either you shared it or, or one of your compatriots did, but it was a sonar chart that was showing the impact of the trade war month by month. Can you talk a little bit about that and how someone sets that up in sonar? Yeah. So basically, we, ha- we uh, you know, looking at the customs data, we're able to see, you know, the countries of origin. We're also able to see the ports that these are coming into. 
Um, and if you look at the, we have them broken out in daily, which is a moving seven-day average of those uh, import shipments, and then weekly and monthly. And if you look at the monthly counts, you really get a nice monthly total. Um, and if you look at that, you know, year over year, say, let's just take, for instance, September, you're able to see those trends, you know, uh, very, very clearly. So, like, you see places like Vietnam, India, you know, really picking up in volumes. China, obviously, I just looked today in weekly custom shipments, they're down 9% wow. as of last week. Um, and that's pretty significant. I mean, we're, we're talking about between like 15,000 and 20,000 shipments uh, that didn't arrive last week compared to the year before. Wow. Well, that sounds like quite the uh, case that you can put together with, mm-hmm. with that data and pretty fascinating stuff. I'm just kind of curious about like what what is the what's the next step here with the uh, negotiations uh, and, and trying to like is is there any help or is it just we are at the whims know, of a tweet? <laughs> I mean, it, I know that it's very unlikely to think that China is going to stop like stealing intellectual prop, uh, intellectual property. Yeah, yeah. you're saying it right. Uh, but I, uh, but I just, I think for everybody's sake, whoever could win it, we've got to figure out a way to negotiate. And there's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, there's just so much that it, it crosses such a wide array of topics. I mean, when. When you yeah. look at you know the geopolitical ramifications, I mean, you know, China basically is is here to stay. I mean, you know, it, it was okay with the U.S. when we, when a lot of our uh, companies were relocating there, using it to, to manufacture products. Um, you know, I, I feel like we should have seen that one day they were going to be able to you know re-engineer those products and 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 you know largely make them themselves. And uh, yeah, um, you know, so it's it's. It's hard to to really blame them in that regard, but at the same time, you know, when you're looking at uh, currency manipulation, things like that, um, you know, I think the U.S. certainly would would appreciate the dollar. I think being a little uh, lower in value relative, you know, it's it's almost kind of about re- rebalancing the currencies in a way. Uh, but no one really wins in a trade war, man. And it, it's it's it seems to be like we're really headed on a path where. Um, almost reigniting a, a new version of a Cold War. But do you think what we're doing is good? Is it necessary to to correct the the balance that seems to be tipping the scales in their favor? That's also uh, like again, it, it's almost hard to say. But I think I've just been studying a lot about what people have been saying. And I think one of the best points um, is about you know there's there's been cases in United States history where uh, there's been a need to rebalance the currency. And so from a, a currency manipulation standpoint, you know, there's other ways to do that. And I think, yeah. you know, the U.S. probably would have been better off uh, joining forces with some other countries, some other allies and, you know, partnering together and trying to. Strategery. Um, well, and I think because when you look at things like the steel industry in particular, I mean, I think, you know, there were certainly times where China was, you know, producing uh, steel in a way that was, uh, you know, really unfair. Um, to to the to the global steel industry outside of China. So, um, but but I think you know going at China and really because in China, man, there's the whole uh, you know theory and philosophy of, of losing face and and you know being offended and oh, yeah. you know, they just have a certain way of doing business and um, it's a little bit different than than what we're used to. And I think uh, there's certainly a different way to go about it that might have been a little more productive. Now, Henry, I've noticed that you're you've kind of fancied up a little bit more. Uh, you, you start to wear like button down shirts that are that are tucked into your jeans. Are we going to start seeing you invest too? I, I'm not much of a vest guy, man. Right. I think uh, you know I, it's funny. JT is like, why do you always wear shorts? I'm like, it's just so hot. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with the JT look. I'm gonna okay, go. Okay, so JT shirt, jeans, and we're gonna. Uh, All right, trendsetter. No, man, I've been. I've been out, you know, on the road, um, visiting with a lot of customers, yeah. a lot of shippers, um, talking about hearing? sonar. Uh, really, really great feedback. I think we, you know, we have the the some of the best data in the world um, in terms yeah. of the breadth of it. Um, you know, the proprietary truckload entity specifically is something just so unique uh, that no one's really ever seen before. I mean, I just got off the phone with the guy and he was talking about uh, the intermodal containerized data and how we're really the only uh, the ones that have it um, currently. So it, getting great feedback. I think there's going to be ways that we can integrate uh, with customers data um, in the future. Um, that's going to be exciting stuff. Yeah. But I think it's, it's just kind of like, how do we how do we use it? How do we get it into our system? Because at the end of the day, you want that sonar data, you know, for the for the larger enterprise clients pulled into your ERP or your TMS, and you want to look at it alongside of all the other data, um, and you want to see how that interacts. So we certainly that message is clear. So we got some exciting things coming down the pipe. Well, Henry, you're a busy man who has to evangelize sonar. So just tell people how to reach out to you. Yeah, you can reach out to me, H Byers um, at FreightWaves.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, posting some uh, some trade war updates from Sonar. But yeah. Be happy to reach out. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being here. Spreading the good uh, word. Now it's time to get competitive. Sonar. It's time to take on economist Anthony Smith in a little game we like to call Mark. Market Expert Trivia. Market Expert Trivia. Market Expert Trivia. Now we have another game. What is this one called? All right, son, sit down. It's time to for it's time to teach the uh, the cows how the grass is chewed. <laughs> I'm back. You're back. I'm right. back. Here we go. So black. that is your buzzer. This is my buzzer. Your buzzer sounds like that. My buzzer sounds like that. Okay. Why does my that buzzer sound like the wrong answer? Right? Why does what? Why does my buzzer already sound like a wrong answer? Like, that's the classic buzzer. We okay. used to no, use that like for everybody. Buzzing, you're buzzing in. It's all good. Okay. Yeah, all mine right. just is more pleasant, so I think it accentuates the harshness uh, of that. So you got to wait until he finishes the question. Okay. Before you can buzz in. And well, not just the question, and but the, the, the answer, the, the option, the option. Okay. And they're yeah. all they're all uh, they're all multiple choice, and they're all A through D. Oh. Five questions. What could go wrong? Nothing, right? We're and we're doing it on recession. And why are we doing it on recession? We're doing it on recession because on Off the Supply Chain this Friday at noon, we have some competitive banter coming your way. You got to check it out. That's the theme, the Great Recession Debate. Yes. It's yeah. going to be Anthony, economist Anthony Smith. Yes. Versus JT, right? Versus JT and, uh, Ingstrom. And Zach Strickland. Zach Strickland. Freightways now. himself. Zach Strickland. Yeah. All right. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, always learning a little bit with our edutainment. Yep. Okay. Right. Question number one. When was the inverted yield curve first yeah, explained? A, 1976. B, 1986. C, 1996. D, 2006. It was I think you were a little 1976. I, okay. And that's incorrect. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with 1986. Yes. Uh, that was a good year. Nice. That was a good year. Wow. <laughs> you got to keep your hand here. Okay. Okay. Keep your hand here. And, you have, right. to, and you, have right. to you have to wait until he really finishes. Wait until... He puts a period at the end of the game. Because <laughs> you were like, I was saying I know. 2006. And I gave you a, then I gave you a 66% right. chance to yeah. win. All right. Question number two. When it was first explained, how many recessions had the inverted yield curve predicted? How many was it? 
Seven. Oh, I didn't say the, the, the numbers. Choice. My bad. Oh. Um, <laughs> was it a, seven? A, two, three, four, or five? Three. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. All right. Can you read the answers one more time? <laughs> two, three, four, or five. How many? Three. When it first came out, <laughs> that's, that's what he's <laughs> now. Oh, man. All right. Oh, all right. All right. Wow, guys. Wow. Well, I'm doing the best that I can. Four. Uh, four. <laughs> okay. Yes. Four right. is what it okay. was. Yeah. It was four inverted. Oh. Well, then why did you read the answer that was already taken? You tricked me. I just read, I just said him. Was it two, three, Mind games. Five? Okay. All right. No, uh, number three. You got to listen, man. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, right. yeah, it was interesting. So, in 1986, when it's first, in, the inverted yield curve is first in, by the, um, I forget his name, but he was a Duke University uh, finance professor. And he and it went back to, like, the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And he it if you had looked at it, it correlated directly with the four recessions that had led up to it. When, the when's the next one? Um well, that's what we all want right. to know, right? And it's curving. That's why everybody's talking about it. Okay. Number three, out of 226 economists surveyed, how many economists are currently predicting a recession by 2021? A, is it one out of four? B, two out of four? C, three out of four? Or D, four out of five? Wow, that was a tie. I, I'll give it to you. Okay. I'll give it to you. All right. It was B. B uh, is two out of four. That is incorrect. <laughs> what is it? Uh, three out of four. That's correct. Yes. Anthony Smith. Oh. How many dentists pick it? <laughs> okay, number four. It's a similar question, okay. but it's instead of out of the 226 economists surveyed, how many economists are currently predicting a recession by 2020? Right. Mm-hmm. Is it A, three out of 10, B, four out of 10? C, 5 out of 10, or D, 6 out of 10? It's B. B is 4 out of 10. That is correct. I mean, no, I'm saying that is correct. <laughs> yeah, I'll take no, it. Well, come on, let's give it <laughs> Even when you win, you lose. All right, <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. So it well, is, you don't uh, get applause. You go like this one. It, it is uh, two, That's the point. Two, two, two to one. Two to one. Yeah. Okay. Five. According to estimates from Kathy Boschenkic, Chief mm. U.S. financial mm. economist for Oxford Economics, all of the tariffs against China combined could cost consumers an average of blank per household. Is it A, $650, B, $750, C, $850, or D, $950? Yes, Anthony. $650. That is yeah. correct. That's for the final winner. Oh, okay. Anthony, oh, it's a tie. So there's no, I don't have a tie. It's It's three to one. Oh, you have three? Okay, so he did win. Okay. That was it. You only got, yes. So Anthony. Now you can play that. All right. I get to keep my economist card. It was 650. I knew that one, too. I didn't, uh, that was tough. That was a quick draw. I should have lost that one. Very competitive way to join us. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for I'll have to I'll have to uh, try and come back at you another time. No. So, are you one of the economists that are feeling that this this much valued recession is happening? <laughs> I I definitely feel some of the pressure, and I think it's going to come down to I am really big on consumer confidence, and so I think um, yeah. this is almost like a confidence thing because when we see the inversion on the yield curve, I think that you can kind of start to see it being uh, weighed upon an investor activity. So 
Uh, when you see investors kind of playing into that mindset, I think it's more of a, a psychology play sure. than a science thing at yeah. this point. So uh, that's the beautiful thing about economics. It's a social science. It's not exactly perfect. It's always yeah, kind of like, Yeah, psychology. You're r- absolutely right. Uh, I'm Yeah, so... Uh, thanks for wh- joining us. Well, thanks yeah, I guess you got to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, a little man. big deal, little deal with, with Emily Zink. Thanks, Anthony Smith. Congratulations on the yeah, big win. Man, he took you down, man. I know, I know. Yeah, I, you'd won a lot. You're I very competitive. I thought I could have tied that Good last job. one. Oh. Uh, I thought I... Sorry, man. What were you doing? I, I was getting ahead of myself. Okay. I thought I could have tied that last one. Big deal. Little deal. Yeah. Big hey, deal. what's up, That's big deal? I thought I had that last one, but his hand speed was... I, I, I usually can get really beat on the answer, but usually not on the hand speed. And I he, know. He, somehow he beat me I to the buzzer. To say, yeah, you're usually quite quick. He is surprisingly athletic. I know he was surprisingly athletic. Well, no, his I mean, button pressing was his reflexes were just yeah, like lightning. Like he's he, there's he's a just lot. good at everything. That's it's right. Fair. Well, you guys ready yeah. to put? You guys are good at this. This is something you're both very <sighs> yes. good at, and who's ever the best is the winner. So, who okay. won last time, and who gets to go first? Uh, we okay. can you finally know, get to go first. I. You finally get to go well, first? Well, I've been letting him go first for like the past five weeks. No, that's what you said last lost time. every time. I think you went first last time. It doesn't me? matter. It doesn't matter. All right. Well, trucking, the trucking industry and its supply chains rank fifth among businesses for cyber threats. Is this a big deal or a little deal? Yeah, because I think it's a big deal. And I think it's probably worse than than is even indicated by some of these reports. I just don't think a, a lot of businesses are up to snuff with with that, I mean, we look at finance. Look at the finance companies when you see like a target, a target credit card machines get hacked or any of those kind of things. And think of the security and the levels and the thought that goes into that. And then look at trucking companies that are still like faxing documents, although that may be more secure nowadays. So maybe that that's why they're even less of risk because they're kind of behind in technology. Well, in 2018, they're actually number two on that list. So wow, I, I think better. they are. I think they are behind. Like what do you Beatles think, Chad? Yeah, yeah. better yeah. all the time. <laughs> Uh, so being number uh, being number five or two is not such a big deal. It's just that cy- cybersecurity in general is a big deal. Uh, I believe that over the past five years, it's astronomical the amount of uh, money uh, that is being uh, held for ransom. It, it's it's happened uh, this very year. We're trying to you know let people you know know about it. But you know I think you got to practice um, like what is it like good hygiene from a data perspective. Have mm. two tier verification and you know. Although some argue two tier past- is easier to hack. Really? Oh, wow. Heard, well, that's not what our CTO says. He yeah. says <laughs> some people say it is. He says have two tier. I mean, I, I don't know, I, but because you can like, spoof change. a cell phone number, you can get like a password redirect on that one. That's how a lot of hackers get Ooh. in through two tier. Well, they're doing so it, smart. and they're holding people holding uh, money and payments and all kinds of data for ransom with uh, Bitcoin, and some give in and some don't. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, it's a big deal. I'm having to agree. Okay, so both of you say big deal. Next one, Chad, is for you. According to some estimates, new cost to carriers considered to be employers under AB5 could increase by as much as 35% over what they would have been when their vendors were considered independent contractors. Is this a big deal or a little deal? I'm going to say little deal. I, you know, I think originally this ruling out of California was mostly intended to hit uh, you know, kind of the gig economy, the Ubers and the the lifts of the world. There are some uh, asset-based uh, companies that are going to have to figure this out. I don't know the extent to which the 35% will be arrived at. But I think that there's ways to 
to uh, to negotiate this. The jury is still out, and it has not metastasized to other uh, states. So right now, while it is in California, I, I'm going to say little deal, r- relatively speaking. What do you say, Dooner? That, that was a terrible answer. I mean, there's only <laughs> one of the most popular, I, you know, one, one, one of the most thing. trafficked ports in the what? world, the, the Port of Los Angeles, Long Beach that's there. That's not how you so win by, hitting by, by California. saying that my answers are bad. It was just <laughs> terrible. That was just a terrible answer. It is a huge deal. It is a huge deal for California. A lot of trucking companies are going to be leaving California because of that, because they have to. Yeah. 35% is a ton of money in a very low-margin business, especially to asset-based carriers. The brokers will probably be fine because they're not as impacted because they don't have the asset side of this. But yeah, if you're an asset-based carrier, there's a huge risk there. Yeah, definitely. I, I do agree with that. Well, six men are facing dozens of charges in connection with a series of cargo crimes near Toronto, Canada, including the hijacking of a truckload of nearly $7 million worth of cell phones and tablets and the theft of three more commercial vehicles. Dooner, is this a big deal or a little deal? This is a turkey-basted big deal. A Canadian Thanksgiving <laughs> oh, yes, over there. Did yes, you know that? Yes, Happy yes, Thanksgiving to our Canadians. And uh, think of all the people, I don't know, do people, do Canadians give each other gifts on Thanksgiving or do they go shopping the next day? Is there like... I wonder if they do have Canadian, a Black Friday. Yeah, Canadian Black Friday or Black... I know, I know they do Thanksgiving Are they out like shopping us. today? I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. But they're probably trying to get some of these tablets and things and, and they don't have access to them. I thought, you know, they're supposed to be so polite, but now we're hearing about all these stuff. I know. Big deal. Maybe they apologized in court after they started. They're like, sorry, buddy, but I got to take your laptop. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, for the, the, the people, the victims of these um, pretty aggressive crimes, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, emotional trauma uh, for them to work through. Uh, and it does seem to be, uh, you know, pretty aggressive. But in terms of the relative scale of these things, little deal. Not, not. This isn't gonna like. This isn't like taking over like cybersecurity. This is, um, you know, just like some headline grabbing, pretty aggressive thieves trying to hit some very obvious targets. Okay. Well, it's earnings week for a number of transportation stocks, including JB Hunt. Martin Transport and United Airlines. Chad, is this a big deal or a little deal? Uh, I think that this will be a, this is going to be a big deal. It's going to be interesting to uh, find out, you know, the direction uh, of some of these companies and what is happening here uh, in relation to our, uh, you know, potential recession uh, that we are facing, the industrial sector of things. You know, I used to not have a lot of uh, appetite for earnings, but, you know, as I've worked here over the past couple of years, I realized that there um, there's a lot to be revealed and it's going to be big news. Dooner. I think this one won't be a huge deal because I think that expectations have been tempered. But we just our top headline was the Goldman Sachs talking about how transportation earnings are going to be lower than expected. So I think the next earnings period it's going to be a much bigger deal. So little deal right now, and I think that most people will hit, will hit their earnings. We'll find out over the next couple of weeks of earnings over under when we cover that kind of stuff. But I think at the moment, little deal. Okay. Well, this next one really grabbed my attention. According to CNN, a laundry service in central China will implant microchips into bed sheets, towels, and quilts. Those chips you could then read off your cell phone if you're a guest in the hotel and it will reveal the date of their last wash. Is this a clean deal or a dirty deal, Dooner? Uh, this is a clean deal. I mean, I, I, it's too bad it's only in China, but it sounds like something that could spread. But I mean, what if someone starts hacking your sheets? You oh, know, and they start they start putting I the wrong date. It's clearly, that. 
I mean, that's why I bring you a blue light maybe, whenever yeah, I travel oh, gosh, with Chad. Yeah, we just no, bring a blue don't. light in the hotel room. We check under the mattress. We look Ugh. for bed bugs. We do a real, like, we fumigate. We do a real big <laughs> inspection. I do. Chad doesn't seem to care. He, uh, Chad just plops down on he the just, bed. He, yeah. Bed bugs? Yeah. Eh, no problem. Well, I mean, what's who cares? Like, if you re- like, what if it says that it's been a day or two since they've been washed? What are you going to do? Like, ask you're gonna for demand. new sheets. Yeah, ask for new ones. Like, and scan those I, with your phone. Yeah, I uh, I don't oh. care. Little deal. <laughs> I'm not a fan of hotels. No, thank you. You just assume they're not washed. Yeah. Sheets. Oh, yeah, pretty I, much. I sleep on top. No, thank you. No, I think the, the that's the dirtiest that's part the dirtiest of all. Fa- oh, yeah. oh, yeah. The sheets yeah. are actually they have never to be wash those. Because people oh. throw whatever they have in their uh, hand. Yeah. Like, it could be luggage. It could on be uh, a box of deep dish pizza. It well, could they just be don't wash. They just top. don't wash them. Oh, yeah. geez, stop. Okay. This one is oh. even more interesting. A vegan woman went to Las Vegas police to report her friend's after they allegedly fed her chicken nuggets while she was drunk. Is this a big deal or a little deal? <laughs> this is time for tort reform. <laughs> uh, no, uh, this is a massive deal. This is <laughs> how in the world they have, they, they, she was just trying to have a good time with her friends, just trying to, you know, and then, and she, so what if she got white girl wasted, as she said? Like, she, <laughs> she, she thought, that? Yeah. Yes, oh like, my gosh. her she friends just go thought it would be funny. Yeah, it's not that funny. You, they're not sun-fed. You have to take this seriously, and that is outrageous. They are, they're not really friends, and it's food tampering. Oh. All right. Dinner, wow. what he is your rebuttal? He did that on purpose, too. He, he thought he could sign me this, and I'm going to say, it's a little deal. You know why? Because the chicken nuggets were already dead, so um, there's nothing she could do at that point about it. So I think that she can forgive herself for eating them. I think the bigger issue there was she was embarrassed because they did like a Snapchat story. They were making TikToks oh, with her eating she chicken. She was seen on camera. The chicken is always dead. But I'll tell you, I'll also <laughs> tell you something. That's a terrible answer. You, you, I understand what I'm saying. She didn't it's order a, it herself ridiculous. and cause one out of there. No, it's a great answer. It's a perfect answer. Uh, it's the greatest oh, answer. What, what, it's the best answer I've heard. Now? Yes. Oh, <laughs> it's the perfect answer. And um, what I'll say is, though, I, I mean, she must have been pretty wasted because I think you could tell the difference pretty easily as someone who has eaten real chicken nuggets yes. and also eaten plant-based vegan nuggets. There's there's a difference. And, like, part of eating, like, some of that vegan replacement food is, like, mentally not trying to be like, oh, this is exactly chicken. It's like... Yeah. This is the like the vegan. It's sort of like Diet Coke versus regular Coke or Diet Dr. Pepper versus regular Dr. Pepper. A lot of times you just have it not because you want it to taste like or an actual Dr. Pepper. That would be like Dr. Yeah, Pepper Zero, right? Exactly. And that's actually, I don't you like don't Dr. Pepper to, Zero. Yes, you don't want it to pretend I, to be the real thing. I want it yeah. to taste like fake. I want it to taste like aspartame exactly. and like to burn my mouth a little bit. That weird just you can only get out of a can. <sighs> Flavored with aspartame. Yeah, this girl's never going to live this story down. Yeah, unfortunately, it, she went to Vegas, and what happened in Vegas did not. They charged her. No, not at they all. They charged her. They charged her. They charged the friends. They charged. No, the they friends. did not. Yes, they did. Stop. That is a waste of taxpayer dollars for uh-huh. food tampering. Yeah, it's a big deal. It is kind uh, of. A anyway, big what is what's been a big deal, uh, a in, deal. in your world? Ah, uh, well, we're still working on off the supply chain. So mm. we did another great yeah. showing today of coming out on Friday about. Can companies be recession proof? Yeah. So, um, very, very insightful. I, I like today's a big episode. Deal. Yeah, very yeah. big deal. And my team right now, we're working on getting some Fuller Speed heads out. So that's Craig Fuller's show. So nice. he always has fun people stop by and sits them down and interviews them. So working on getting one of those out. Well, yeah. I think it just came out in a little bit. And fantastic. Yeah, we're just always busy over in the video department. You guys have off the supply chain coming out. It's the recession one. Anthony's yes. on here to promote it and beat me in. 
Market Expert Trivia, which is a rare occurrence. Yeah, I liked enough. Anthony on it today. Yeah. You'll get to see it. He, He's on a roll. Who he, won? Yeah. Well, tune in to find out. That'll be at, at noon, right? Noon? It, it streams Eastern live time. at yep. noon, and then you can watch it anytime thereafter on our YouTube channel, Forever Facebook. Facebook, where else? LinkedIn. LinkedIn, yes. It's always it streams live on LinkedIn and Facebook yeah. and YouTube, and then it lives on all those channels plus Twitter. If you want all of your news in a minute or less, subscribe to the Morning Minute podcast and also the American Shipper Morning Report for your port news. A little bit of that stuff Henry and I were talking about. Uh, you can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere. Podcasts are heard around the world. Around the world. Anything else going on? Oh, yeah. Oh, I... uh, Freeways Insiders on Thursday. Oh. Tom Gould from Flexport will be on there talking compliance. Awesome. Let's turn the key in the ignition and say goodbye to everybody. Oh, wait. You can find her at Emily Zink on Twitter. Him at Chad Prevost. Myself at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Zink is like uh, not the mineral. It's S-Z-I-N-K. All right. Little cowbell for all the Canadians out there celebrating Canadian Thanksgiving, right? Oh, yeah. Little cowbell for all the vegans out there getting drunk and eating chicken nuggets by accident. All you ACDC fans. Yeah. A little cowbell for Brian Johnson, the people's choice. On this show, you're listening to What the Drug Dude Came in a little early there. Boom! There it is. Little Cabo for all people who stuck around, even though the video went out again. Little Cabo for Kyle Cunningham, who's giving me the four horsemen symbol at the uh, at the door right there. And a little cowbell for you, your friends, and your little dog at home.